yeah all right it says it says we're live hello hello good evening, <laughs> good good evening to everyone who is watching if you are watching i don't know internet might be crapping out on either of our ends yes th this um, could be a technically challenging week i think for, this, could, for this could be a, yeah a very very good show um or a very short one whichever we look or a very short one <laughs> either way it's going to be a sexy show it is yes um, in fact, do we need to have some sort of um, rating on the show this week, like a um, like like an eighteen or something? Um, I, so hang on. So let me let me look at the notes because are we describing acts? If so, then yes. If um, I think I would say the second paragraph, second line of the second paragraph. Yes, we do. Uh, we, could, we, we could just take okay. up the seat yeah. analysis. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Why were they looking at that? Oh, it's just it's just really funny. Well, you know, you know. All right, so yeah, let's um. Oh, we, we, rather than that, why don't I just put um. Satisfactorily complete. <laughs> yes, that's that's a great way to put it, and family friendly. Yes. Maybe I don't know. As family friendly as the show can get. Um, this this, this, this specific episode is going to be. Uh, we we try to keep the content family friendly, but this one was um, mm. too good to not pass up. Uh, right. Okay. So yeah. No. I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think me... that would be quite amusing. Um, yeah, I mean, we we really we've cut out any description of specific acts. Um, yes. So I think we're okay. Yeah, and it's podcasting anyway. We're not exactly. Um, well, we have a YouTube video that goes up too, but I mean, it's not like we're going to be showing stuff in the corner of like what they're looking at here. Are we not playing any of the, any of the videos? No, we don't have any B roll of this. Oh. Sorry, everyone. I'm uh, sorry to let y'all down. <laughs> Right. Uh, yes. Okay. We we are live, so they're they're, they're yes. we are definitely going out there, which is good. Yeah. All right. Um, good. Good. Yes. Yeah, so I've had a basically the last two days, my um, internet has just it's been great, 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 and then just completely died. And then today, I got thoroughly fed up of it. Rang my ISP, and they're like, "Okay, uh, got through to a call center." And you know, like when you try to call these call centers, and you're like, "Oh, it's going to take me ages to describe." Because I've done, yes, I've turned it back on, uh, off and back on again. Yes, I've done a factory reset. But actually, the woman who was on on it was she was awesome, and and she was like, right, you've done all that stuff, and I've done a network test, and we're just going to send you a new, um, a new router. And I'm like, great. How long is that going to be? Is, are we talking like weeks, months? And I, she'll be with you tomorrow. So I'm hoping tomorrow morning, where I get a new router, chuck it in, and it'll all be perfect straight away. Doesn't help us tonight. No. So, and it, what I found the, that if it, if it does basically die on me, then it is a it is a fifteen minute um, rebooting activity, which is a bit irritating. It's a bit um, irritating. We'll fill the space and we'll edit it out. So if you're watching live, thank you. You're gonna get to see like how the sausage is made, which is why we do these live shows. Really, um, <laughs> you you don't go to NASCAR for the race; you go for the crashes. Um, <laughs> that's true. You don't you don't come to Human Factors Cast Live to to watch a successful podcast episode. Well, you might. I don't know. 
you, you come to watch you listen to the polish version later on you um yeah you're really getting the best of both worlds there um especially our patrons our patrons get the best of every world we we do the the patreon only audio only version full audio version they they get they get the full audio of the pre-show the post-show and whatever happens during the main show that is like it doesn't get you know, edited like, out. yeah like if 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 we did get disconnected for 15 minutes that'd be edited out of the final uh mm-hmm. you know patreon stuff they'll they'll get the best possible version of all this um cool. yes so you've had a week uh with internet yeah um i my before this uh knock on wood like internet has been like crapping out all day uh off and on and it's been like every 10 minutes um and so we're five minutes into this so far i'll see you i'm really (laughs) i'm really hoping (laughs) we'll uh yeah we'll we'll keep an eye on the on the clock there and see um what's going on in five more minutes but hold Uh, on on. if this has been your internet's been crapping out my internet's been crap oh there's a world conspiracy thing going on isn't there Oh no! That, that, I, like your internet's on its way out. It is it. I think so. Oh no! Here we go. Jeez. Oh no! You're back. You're back. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. No, we, we, I'm tentatively holding on to you there. All right. Um, <laughs> I was about to get scared. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? I think might be a good call for us to do tonight, Barry, is if you want to. Um, just in case there's any issues, record a local audio file on your end. I absolutely, I was just thinking the same thing. Okay. Um, so let me just file that. I'm going to do the same over here. I, we, we'll do it for the main show. Uh, let's not worry about the pre and post. Um, let's yeah, just... I just want to, I'm just going to check that it's work. I mean, actually, for me, it doesn't really matter too much, but I want to check because i was recording something the other day and it really messed around with the levels just really oh. <laughs> the right sort of people are on board um, on the uh, on the chatting mm. <laughs> oh yeah look at that oh i think it's because you, you mentioned certain words in the title there are certain words in the title so we're getting like uh yeah we're, we're definitely getting <laughs> We definitely gonna get that tonight. Um, oh boy! It's just, you know, okay. shoot! I should have thought this through. Um, it's half the fun, right. surely. Yeah, you know, oh. I mean, the the emojis are half the fun. Look at that! Look at the look. At... Don't they, go to this they... website, anybody. But look at these emojis. Somebody's putting effort in there, then. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a bot. No. Look at those emojis. Be, that's a that's a real person, surely. Yeah, sh- surely. <laughs> um, so, so let's. Yeah, let's, I mean those those emojis are almost as impressive as that like str- like string of uh, doctor emojis that we talked about a while back. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah, we had an episode on emojis, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Good. Yes. No. The the levels seem to work for some reason because I use Hindenburg as my audio recorder and. Um, and the other day, I was I was doing the secondary record on on an interview I was doing. In fact, it was not a podcast interview; it was a work interview, a uh, 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 user interview, and um, it was just blasting out the um, the the audio, and so it was just going super high, and just I basically lost. It's about two and a half hours worth of user interviews. No, um, yeah, oh, I was absolutely 
gutted. But thankfully, I took decent. I was because I, I still, even though I record stuff, I still take notes. Um, not detail notes, but just you know, headlines and stuff. So I had enough to bring it back to me. But I was absolutely gutted. So, but there we go. It happens to the best of us and to me. Really, the pre and post show should be called uh, Nick and Barry figure out technical issues. Um, yeah. Technical insights. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've had a, um, a wavy uh, wavy emoji from Tony, who's my brother up in northern England. So, good evening, Tony. Um, wavy back to you, Tony. Thank you for saying hello. Um, and you've done all the um, It Came From's. Yes, I have. Yeah, we got oh, some good It Came From's. You're like well on the ball. Yeah, so remember, uh, before the show, I told you I started a new medication. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'll, the, the, it, it is my one more thing this week. I won't talk okay, so yeah, don't, too much don't. about it, but um, but yes, I've been productive. Uh, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll leave uh, it there uh, until we get there. Yeah, so we can talk about some of these um, it came from. So we're not going to jump into detail here. Our it came from bot, by the way, Barry, is still out of commission. I tried revamping the triggers and um, hooks and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and, and um, it's just not going. I don't know why it's not going. I've checked it a million times. We might have to figure out some other solution for it. Uh, maybe once we get some more Patreons, we can start to increase the level of automation that we're doing with some of the stuff behind the scenes here. I think that's really powerful tools that we can use. Um, so does that mean you're going to you're gonna have to divert some of that Patreon money away from the Tesla and actually to running the podcast? Yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, right now, right now we're kind of recuperating podcast debt. <laughs> and once, <laughs> yeah. once we get past that point, um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll be... Uh, we'll, we'll be able to, I think the first investment we're going to make is in Descript, which is a uh, mm. transcription software, but it also allows us to do other powerful things, right? So we're not just a podcast. We have a website. We do blogging. Um, and so what this might be able to do is like, hey, allow our listeners to listen to a blog post um, that is generated by an AI that sounds like actual human beings. Uh, reading something this this program in particular descript is very powerful and allows you to do that um additionally like we could almost deep fake our own voices and and do things like help with human factors minute production if you know you just want to audit it and see like how that works that is something that we can do um mm -hmm. So that's, I think, kind of the next milestone. It'll also help with accessibility. Right now we're using kind of cheap, free uh, transcription software. So there's like, you know, if you look at the transcription for last week's episode, it's actually really not great. You know, it's um, it, it could be much better. And there are much better tools out there. Um, this at least helps the, the like cheap, easy, free one really helps with th things like search engine optimization. But in terms of accessibility, we're not quite there, yeah. not not where I want to be anyway. Um, you know, if somebody wanted to read the show, it's just one big blob of text right now where this program will let us kind of say, Nick says this, Barry says this, Nick says this, Barry says that. And it'll be much more conversational of a read, which I think is good. Uh, so so again, we're trying to like increase that uh, sort of accessibility. And I think that's kind of the next target. Um, Who'd have thought people running a human factors... Um 
blog and web um, podcast and stuff looking at usability of, of our output. Yeah, weird, right? It. Wow. It's, um, it's, almost, it's almost like we do this for a job. Uh, oh, I, I'd had that sort of around this week, so I've started a new role, which I think I briefly mentioned last week. Um, but I've now got all the computing stuff that I need to do it. And um, I had the first conversation because I'm the only human factors person on on this on this job. And we had the first conversation of, well, you don't need to do all of that, do you? You can just do, you know, because I've got some like eight to ten different requirements based on um, on good practice. And um, oh, you don't need, you just need to do the plan, and everything else will just sort itself, won't it? And it'll be fine. I had to give them the the look over a um, um, over the computer. But again, I got got sent a laptop, um, so basically corporate laptop and joined my first Teams meeting, brilliant. And then, but nobody can hear me because, because of the nature of the domain, they've silenced the mic. And and so I have to use a headset, but they didn't ship a headset at the same time as they shipped the laptop. So I'm now waiting, it should come tomorrow, but it's taking like another week. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just stressful, you know? Yeah, so, I hear you, I hear you. So. More folks <sighs> saying hi in the chat, you got the whole family. Oh, the the, the, the the entire family's in. Good evening, Emma. Um, hope you've had a... Uh, so that's Emma is um, Tony's wife. And uh, so that means it, it's a whole family experience. It's, uh, and Nick's camera has gone. So I'm guessing... Uh, oh, no. Oh, this is... Oh, you're back? <laughs> that's just funny. No, it is not there. So the camera's still there. So in fact, we might just have to take a photo of that just just for um, humor value. Of um, there we go. Because um, the way that Nick's camera has, has stalled, obviously everybody else can see, but Nick Nick won't see this until he sees until he comes back into the record. Um, but it's actually it, that could have paused at a much worse position. Um, it looks very studious, and and now we're left with just me. So. Yes, it'd be great to see if anybody else is there listening and do feel free to um, wave and shake a hand um, to, to let us know you're there. The The show will be covering um, a rather racy subject tonight. So we are going to be talking about um, sex and driving and, and how people have been researching that. So we should be all being well, be going live in about 15 minutes um, or going live with the recording in, in 15 minutes. Um, providing that Nick can get his uh, internet sorted out. As much as we hope that my internet will sort itself out too, um, as mentioned earlier, my internet has been going out and dying on a fairly regular basis for the past you know, two days. So it is, um, whilst there, there is a fix in the in, uh, in the post, literally, um, there is still very much a... Um, uh, a problem still existing where if I die and Nick dies, then um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see see what's left over. Um, but I'm just trying to see. No, nope, that's all good. Ooh. Okay. Um, so the other interesting thing, and this is something that Restream could really help with, is what happens for all of you that are listening, whatever platform you're listening to through. So we should be going through LinkedIn, we should be going through Facebook, we should be going through Twitter, uh, we should be going through YouTube, and we should be going through Twitch as well. Um, but Restream, the, the platform that we use, 
basically streams this out to all of them platforms simultaneously. Now, obviously, on most of them platforms, you can comment, and which is why we ask you to comment so we know if you're talking to us, if you know, you know you're paying attention. But when it brings it in, it just brings it in as a single stream. Um, so we, we get to see all the comments, which is why we can't type comments back. Uh, we will uh, we'll talk back to you um, rather than do anything else. Um, why would I want to uh, check my master? So, ah, um, I would strip it back, strip it back to bare copper if it was copper, but it's fiber. So um, I'm not doing that. Um, the yeah, we have fiber to the house, um, not fiber to the cabinet. So yeah, the problem isn't decided. The there's plenty of problems going on with um, with routers of uh, of the. The manufacturer here in the UK, and it seems that we've, we've got a combined issue with not only with whatever is wrong with my router itself, um, but also that they're putting us to digital voice, um, so taking away the actual usual landline that runs alongside. Um, we're going to go for an entirely combined thing, which is I think they're rolling they're rolling that out in the next I think couple of weeks. So they're doing a bit of a, um, I, be, I believe they're doing a network testing transition and that there's something in my uh, router which will do that because funny enough, we use a lot of data. Um, so we shall uh, we shall see how that goes. So we are just waiting to see if Nick's going to make a reappearance because whilst I can do um, a fair bit of it, in fact, the show, I can do all the show. Who needs, who needs Nick around to do any of that? Oh, he's back now, darn it. <laughs> Well, but he's not actually saying anything yet, so um, that's a bonus. You just get to look at him instead. Um, no, no voice, no sound, no sound at all. Still no sound. Oh, this is going to be one of those evenings. No, nope, still no sound. <laughs> No sound. I presume you can hear me, but no, we can't hear you. Yeah, no. Yo, well, of course you can hear me. I'm awesome. Um, sound really good. But unfortunately, you, you, you're, you're just not there, dude. Oh, and see. Um, for those of you who are listening, then Nick just had to. Oh no! All right, and... how about now? Yeah. Oh, we can, oh, we can hear your dulcet tones. Okay, great. All right. So, uh, let's just hope everything's figured out by now. I don't know. This is gonna be a fun one. <laughs> oh, boy. And I thought it'd be my internet was going that was gonna cause Woo! all the problems. But, uh... Look, this is it. This is this is why you come to the live shows because this is uh, <laughs> this is terrifying. This, this, this is how it gets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have Katie in the chat. Awesome. Thank you for joining yeah. us, Katie. Please, please uh, oh, we, help us we, out here. We, if, if you got I'll anything see. fun to talk about, um, send it so our way. We'll... Katie's come in, and it, that means we've got a grown-up in the room. Yes. Is, is, is she here just to keep us um, behaved? Yes, we have to yeah. be behaved. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, I, what was I talking about before I dropped? Um, I don't know, so long ago. Yeah, um, I know, right? You... Having a good week this, or having a um, an up down week this week, but you're going to talk about that as your um, as one more, as your one more thing. Oh right, yes, yes, the the pills, um, um, pills, and 
we were saying hello to um, to my family. In fact, it, yes, that was it. My family came in and you ran away. Right. Um, uh, I was insulted. The family was insulted. Oh, no. Um, you know, we all took it personally. I've insulted the whole family. Uh, this is this is not great. Uh, Barry, please apologize on my behalf if they're still somehow on the call, on the on the watching. <laughs> uh, they're still viewing. I'm I'm deeply sorry for my actions. I, I really regret everything. Um, you let yourself down. You've let the podcast yeah. down. You've let oh, me down. You know. Okay, so I I do have. Um, I do have something I'd like to talk about here in the pre-show. Cool. Uh, so, so uh, really quick, Katie. <laughs> Nick has been disowned by Barry's family. <laughs> I don't know if I was ever owned to begin with. Um, <laughs> adoptive Where's your podcast. Your mom's not rocked her. What's that? Your mom hasn't rocked her. Where is she? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. She's. She, she she usually joins us. I don't know. She's probably on the freeway somewhere, really, right now. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I had uh, the displeasure. The um, I don't know. I was listening to right wing radio before I got Ooh. on this, uh, and uh, there's there's a reason for it. Um, so the the local candidate for our representative um, has. Uh, Across the aisle, or I, I guess the two of the local candidates for representation uh, in my area have have uh, they were doing a debate on a right wing uh, radio podcast. Anyone who's listened for a long enough time knows my politics. Try to keep it off the show, but occasionally, um, I think doing what's right for humans often overlaps with progressive policy, um, and so it's it's really hard to avoid that sometimes. Uh, so anyway, I was listening to this debate and it was just so draining because of the way they were framing the questions and the way that they were uh, sort of asking. Um, I don't know. Frame, framing questions is everything. And when you lead somebody or lead an audience to believe that one thing is true when you're asking somebody something uh, is it really really upsets me uh, but I, I do I am happy to report that Barry's number one fan is is in fact here uh, oh. watching us live that's good I, I was I was feeling somewhat neglected um, <laughs> that she wasn't there. so great to see you here yes now now we truly have the whole family here watching um, <laughs> yes so I I am hoping that uh, I haven't seen any issues on my end hopefully you've been able to hear me this entire time Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Uh fantastic. Um but So you you've been doing the whole right wing politics thing. Uh, no, no, I've 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 not been doing right wing politics. Well, no, you I've know, just listened to listen, one radio listen. show <laughs> with a debate with with the candidate that I am uh hoping wins in our district, although I'm in kind of a like what we call here in the States a purple district, uh which is um where it can flip-flop and that mm -hmm. it's it's really weird the politics of my area so we're technically a suburb of portland um okay. and but we're in a different state than portland so oh. uh portland politics don't carry over it's more washington politics but um the the area in which i'm in outside of this one suburb really or i guess maybe two city suburbs of portland is is very rural and so you have like 
this really progressive kind of like suburban um, population. And then everyone else is kind of like on the way other side. And so it makes this area purple. And oftentimes everyone out in, in the rural areas uh, is enough to kind of counteract the couple suburbs here. Yeah, but I don't yeah, know. This area has seen a lot of growth, and and I'm hoping that uh, we'll we'll get a flip here uh, later this year for the midterms. Cool, that's exciting. Yeah, well, we, we've got our elections coming up next. Uh, yeah, basically the start of May. So we've got. Our How is that going? Um, it was going because you know, um, I'm standing as a candidate, so that's going to be exciting. Um, which was all going really well, got leaflets and all that sort of stuff. But then obviously last week came down with COVID. And um, and so I haven't been able to do any leafleting, no door knocking. So I feel like just as I was getting going, I've been um, uh, just basically put back in my box a bit. Um, and so I'm hoping that this weekend we can get out. Because it's I, it's not really so much about, um, for me, about which way people vote. Because obviously different, there's loads of different reasons why people vote for, for who they vote for, etc., etc. Um, but it's just talking to people. It's just really nice just to be able to engage with people and sort of, you know, because it, we, I'll be talking about my, you know, very small, uh, small area as such, and it's like, what do you want to see? What, what do you want to, what, what do you want the future of this place to be? Right. Um, this is very local politics, right? That you're talking about here, like very, is, yeah, very yeah, hyper local. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. So we for it's county council elections. So um, I guess one below the um, that one level below the below the parliamentary for us. Um, but the but yeah, so the my the uh, division that I'll be looking at is is relatively small. So it's it's kind of like where where I like working. It's the because you can really make a difference to people's lives. Um, I've stood as as a you know for as the as parliamentary candidate before and things like that. The whole campaigning mechanism, the whole human behaviour thing, just gets so fascinating from when you're inside the bubble and you're seeing um, you know the whole attitudes to things. Like you can put a leaflet through somebody's door and you know that that leaflet has got about seven seconds of life from the right. time it takes you to take it out the um, out, out, out the letterbox and put it into the bin um, and things like that and trying to explain to people that you you know you don't you can't write war and peace on these things um and seeing how people engage with it it's just, it's just it, there's a whole lot of it that i just find thoroughly fascinating yeah i mean you you and i have talked a million times about messaging and how mm. like i am so keen on messaging because you really do only have a couple words to either convince somebody of something um mm -hmm. which in your case is vote for barry um yep. and you know it's like what do you what do you put in that message that says vote for me i'm what you know i i'm going to represent you in the best way possible like okay how? i'm a nice guy uh, yeah. yeah it's um no it, it's 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 interesting there's a whole lot of you know you we, we talk about um the you know what pledges you're going to do and it's like well pledges are almost as only as important as the first three words of the pledge um because if you don't basically knock them between the eyes of that and it, again doesn't matter what what side of the politics you're coming from it's that whole how do you get a, a, a message across to somebody that who is their gut reaction um because of the way that we talk about politics and politicians and all that sort of stuff the first reaction to anybody you knock on the door or anything like that they don't want to talk to you because you no matter what time you knock on the door it's the wrong time so how do you convince them within you've got about two seconds maybe three seconds at a push to convince them to um actually not just give you 
the answers that will get you away from the door as quickly as possible, but to actually engage with you a bit. And um, and there's so many different. <laughs> yeah, we could almost do an entirely different podcast on uh, the sort of reactions I've had on doorsteps the, and some of the things you've seen. Some people are just yeah. incredible. I mean, like, like here, here's the thing for me is like, if, if if a member of the opposite party came to my door, no way, right? Like, I I would not sit there and talk to them because I'm so polarized in in my way of thinking, right? And I'm sure this is on the other side too. Uh, that like, there's nothing that you can do or say from that other perspective to convince me to vote otherwise, because mm-hmm. I know your thoughts and beliefs are not in line with my politics. Now at a local level, it's, it's much different. Like, I don't know if it's nonpartisan um, oh, in your, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it, it depends on the County and the city here in the States, but sometimes it's nonpartisan and that really helps with kind of like evaluating the people because of what they want to do for the local elections, right? The school boards, yeah. are you going to get the person who's uh gung-ho on banning books are you going to get the person that's like genuinely interested in talking with parents and teachers and getting the best curriculum out there for students and making sure that learning is fun and easy for everyone like i don't know it it put labels on them too and i think that helped out yeah it does it's um it's interesting the you know when you've got different you know you got left right and then because this is the first time i've um, actually stood in here in wales and so you've got nationalism as well, which plays uh, which plays a huge part. So it's going to be an exciting four, well, four and a half weeks now for the election. So Yay. Uh, excitement. Uh, speaking of excitement, we're about to talk about a very sexy uh, topic. Um, so please we, stick I'm, around. I'm, sorry, I'm, going to get this, I'm going to get through this without laughing. I, I, you know what, Barry? Put on your most professional face. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and start recording on your local end now? And for everyone else watching, uh, please stick around with us. We're going to take a quick, like, I don't know, 20-second break, and we'll be back to start the show. It's going to be a good one. Stick around. Uh, We'll be right back after this. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. This is episode 239. We're uh, recording this episode live on March 24th, 2022. I'm your host, Nick Rome, joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. And good evening. How are you tonight? Good evening, Barry. I'm good. We're going to see if uh, technology (laughs) issues are good, too. (laughs) But technology issues aside, we do have a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about sex, not biological, the act of as a form of distracted driving. And later, we'll be answering some questions from the community about needing good handwriting skills in UX. Uh, coping with job rejections after receiving positive feedback, and we'll discuss the merits of having a research portfolio. But first, some quick programming notes and a community update here. Uh, Barry, on your show this week, you dropped a new episode on 1202 Podcast, right? Our sister podcast. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we dropped that, and it was all about musculoskeletal health and and an app that will help us do that. Not only help you... um, 
So keep good musculoskeletal health, but actually if you have an injury, help you recover from it. And that's proving really popular already. Lots of really good feedback from people who um, have found that it's, you know, just talking about that, it's something we don't really talk about very often, um, was really good. But next week, we got one um, going to get recorded. And it's all about how people act in crisis situations, particularly fire and, and what we can do around that. But I'll take you, tell you more about that next week. Stay tuned for that one. Uh, in addition to the exciting stuff we have over on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, we also have coming up next week uh, for you all on Friday. It's going to be another HFES presidential town hall. So I'll sit down with HFES leadership to kind of talk about what is going on in the state of human factors as a field, as well as the organization. So please join us. It's going to be at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 Eastern. It's going to be on all our channels, as well as all the HFES official channels as well. So do check that out. All right. We know why you're here. You're here for this sexy story. So why don't we go ahead and get into it? It's... I think this may be the sexiest story we've ever done on the show. Uh, this is the part of the show all about Human Factors news. Uh, Barry, let's break it down. What do we have this week? So this week we told, we're talking about understanding sexual activity whilst driving as a form of distracted driving. So researchers from Queensland University of Technology recently conducted a content analysis of 270 Pornhub videos featuring drivers in moving vehicles engaging in sexual activities. The research was conducted to investigate how sexual activity whilst driving impacts a driver's performance. The focus of the study was to understand interactions with road safety and driver behavior. So the researchers found that a third of drivers didn't wear seatbelts whilst a vehicle was moving. When they did wear a seatbelt, drivers were less likely to satisfactorily complete their activity. Um, unsurprisingly, vehicle control was impaired with approximately three out of four drivers unable to keep two hands on the steering wheel as recommended. Staggeringly, 8% of drivers didn't have both feet on the pedal in the pedal area, resulting in most commonly reported sex uh, whilst driving incidents involving lane drifting. The researchers also found that drivers filming themselves during sex while driving is another form of distraction that hasn't been explored in previous research. Similar to other types of distracted driving, the researchers found that drivers engaging in sexual activity whilst driving appear to mitigate risks, citing a concern for potential legal sanctions. When considering this, it appears that drivers may attempt to conceal sexual activity by reducing their visible nudity and minimizing interactions with other road users. Mobile phones and cameras appear to interact with sexual activities while driving by uh, imposing potential restrictions on the range of sexual act activities. Implications for policymakers and practitioners are discussed within the paper. On a final note, sex while, uh, sex while driving is risky behavior that requires both multidisciplinary and cross-sectoral collaboration to address. Health, transport, and education all need to work together. So, Nick, sex while driving, do the find findings here do it for you? <laughs> well, so look, look, uh, we we actually talked about this at our pre-show last week. Uh, we found this one right before the show then, I think. It was kind of in the next news cycle. We, we laughed at this during the pre-show because we thought it was kind of... Um, a, a funny topic to talk about and the, and the way that the presenter on Twitter kind of went through their thread uh, was very humorous and the gifts that they were using. But man, this is actually a really awesome story and something that I think maybe uh, is, is quite novel in its, <laughs> in its, uh, in its study. So Barry, what, what are you thinking about this study in general? So in general, I think it, it clearly does throw up a lot of questions. Um, 
not all of which I'm not I'm even sure we can actually ask, never mind answer um, tonight. But there is kind of a, and we sort of said it before with some of these things, uh, there's a bit of a well duh uh, moment about this because clearly if you're focused on one activity, you're not going to be as focused on another activity. So, and, but when we, do, I guess there's the science behind this as well, it is using porn videos, uh, ex exactly really good experimental procedure. I mean, where's the control where, you know, that, that type of activity, but um, there, you know, again, it's, it's something that a lot of people I think would be uh, really adverse to engaging a lot because it's because people get embarrassed, but you know, it's, it, it's the, should we be talking about such things? And I think ab absolutely we should be. There is a cultural bit as well. Um, I think, you know, um, in the US, most of your cars are automatic. Um, whereas in, in the UK, you can't have two feet out of the, um, the pedal area because we got more pedals to, to move. Um, and I think we'll probably hit it up later, but is this, would, would this get worse or better depending on your perspective with autonomous driving and things like that? I think it just throw up a lot of questions um, that, that I think we should um, should dive into. Yeah, that, those are good questions. And, you know, I, I don't think most of our cars here are automatic, which is actually kind of, you know, an important distinction. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I would say, you know, maybe maybe one in 20. I don't know if that. So. So, yes, I think this is a great story for us to use as kind of a springboard to talk about risky driving behaviors in general, and then, you know, kind of what distracted driving really means. So, you know, there's a couple different ways in which risky driving behaviors are characterized. And what we're going to be using tonight um, is kind of data from the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. Uh, this is here based in the States. We do a lot of driving here in the States. Uh, mm. I, I know that's different in various places of the world, but I think it's important to note that, you know, here in the States, we do have a lot of data because we drive a lot. So we'll be using that as kind of the baseline here. Do we want to talk about these one by one? Barry, do you want to go over the first one here? Yeah, so drunk driving, drunk driving, the, the basically consuming alcohol um, whilst driving. So every day, about 28 uh, people in the US die in drink driving crashes. That's one person for every 52 minutes. Um, 2019, 10, 000, just over 10,000 people lost their lives to drink driving. They're, those are deaths that are, that are all preventable. Um, but it is a well, you know, you, in, the, in the UK, uh, we have uh, similar problems. Um, and it's something that we really need to uh, to get into but it's something that gets studied quite a lot as well do you want to hit, talk about um, drug impaired driving yeah and a lot of these these are very simple kind of explanations of what these risky driving behaviors are but we are giving some of these statistics to kind of contextualize exactly mm -hmm. why they're risky but yes drug impaired driving um it's it's completely illegal everywhere here in america uh to drive under the influence of anything like alcohol marijuana opioids methamphetamines any other potentially drug prescribed either over uh, over the counter or uh, pres prescribed that is um, sort of impairing. Right. So it's completely to illegal to drive with any of those. Uh, they, they say impaired driving uh, or buzz driving is drunk driving. Um, and I think that's the same here. If you take a drug that impairs your ability to um, basically react and uh, perform in a way that's going to be safe for you as the driver and any passengers in your vehicle, as well as everybody else on the road, then we're talking about risky driving behavior here. So driving while impaired by any substance, legal or illegal, puts you and others in harm's way, like I kind of said, right? And in terms of safety facts for this one, 56% of drivers involved in serious injury and fatal crashes 
tested positive for at least one drug based on studied trauma centers. Uh, and that's from 2020. So fairly recent data, um, which is kind of shocking. So the the next bit that we, we look at is obviously seatbelts. Seatbelts are now pretty much mandatory. Well, they're, they're mandatory in the US, mandatory in the UK. Um, so one of the safest choices drivers and passengers can make um, is to is to buckle up. So many Americans understanding the life-saving value of the seatbelt, the national use rate was at 90 point, just over 90% in 2021. They reckon that using a seatbelt saves, um, said for just, just under 15,000 lives um, in uh, 2017. And understanding the potentially, potentially fatal consequences of not wearing a seatbelt and learning what you do to make sure you and your family are properly buckled up every time, you need to do that. I said that that it's um it's mandatory to wear them in the us is it um it, it's definitely mandatory to wear them in the uk um but just checking before i i do make um gross assumptions there across the board <laughs> yes it is the law it is the law uh to wear your seat belts um the, it's shocking to me that still only 90 percent wear them the 10 percent that don't i don't understand why it saves your life why mm. anyway, it's interesting bro- culturally actually the my um granddad really doesn't and he still doesn't like wearing seat belts and even when he goes in and will wear them will put his hand under the the the, the cross belt that goes across your chest and pull it down from his chest because he says he feels it's constraining him now i, th- I do think it is a cultural thing uh, sorry um a generational thing um that actually most uh, most people younger people now just wear a seat belt without really thinking about it but, um, it's just a scam from the big big uh seat belt companies man yeah. <laughs> they're just trying all right, let's let's get into this next one here. This is speeding and aggressive driving. So, you know, over over two decades here of data, uh, speeding has been involved in approximately a third of all motor vehicle fatalities. So going back to 2019, this is the latest data. Speed uh, speeding was a contributing factor in 26 percent of all traffic fatalities, killing nine thousand four hundred seventy eight people. If you thought we were just talking about sex in this episode, no, we're talking about death, too. So when we're talking about speed and this aggressive driving, we're talking about how speed really affects your safety because uh, from a human factors perspective, it kind of reduces the amount of reaction time that you have to do something. Um, But this also isn't just talking about speed when considering like a speed limit. This is also uh, considering road conditions. So things like during bad weather, uh, when the road is under repair or an area that's not well lit at night, right? So we're talking about these types of conditions. Um, When you talk about speeding, right, it really does endanger everybody. Um, You know, there's someone walks into the road with a speeder and it's over uh, and and it's it's tragic. Um, And I mean, you know, there there is something to be said about speeding on the road, right? We're all sort of familiar with these frustrations uh, with modern life and kind of juggling these busy schedules that we all kind of make for ourselves. But um, when thinking about speed limits, right, these are highly researched things that human factors professionals actually have a lot of say into and and they are put into place to protect everybody. Um, so so the limit is the limit. And my my wife always gets on me about this because I say, no, the limit's the limit when she says I'm driving like a grandpa. Yes, but it says 65. I'm not going to go 70. Anyway, that's that's my two cents. There's this next one and then we'll get into everything else. Yeah. Interesting thing about the speed, though, the um, we are going through a thing in Wales at the moment where they're looking to try and take. Oh, so we have 30 mile an hour limits going through urban areas and they're looking to reduce that 
basically blanket reduce it down to 20 mile an hour. And it's interesting seeing people's reactions to to that consultation at the moment. Um, the last bit is around um, here is is around dry, drowsy driving, and I'm sure this is something that most drivers have done at one time or another, particularly if you do a, a lot of miles. So fatigue has cost uh, has costly effects on the safety, health, and quality of life. Whether fatigue is caused by sleep restrictions due to new babies, uh, waking every couple of hours, or late shifts, long shifts, hanging out late with friends, or just a long and monotonous drive for your holiday, or even for work. And the negative outcomes can be the same. Uh, and that is impaired con impaired con cognition and impaired performance. The That will result in crashes, workplace accidents, and health consequences. So that, this whole drowsy piece can be really difficult to, to tackle when your lifestyle doesn't align with avoiding drowsy driving as you've just mentioned around um wanting to be in your vehicle a lot more we live in a 24 7 society with an emphasis on work longer commutes and uh, exponential advancement of technology people don't get the sleep that they need and i can really really um talk about that a lot at the moment um but effectively dealing with the drowsy driving problem requires really to us to fundamentally change our societal norms and especially attitudes towards um, drowsy driving. So we've done quite a lot of the um, risky driving behaviours. What about what? What is distracted driving? Can you give us an insight into actually what distracted driving is? Yeah, we'll talk about distracted driving. I, I do want to make one kind of comment on all the ones that we've covered so far, and including dra distracted driving. Uh, these a lot of these statistics are based pre-pandemic, and so. There, these statistics are going to change over time, especially as more people are working from home and people are commuting less. There's going to be some differences in the data. So I, I just want to kind of caveat all of this stuff that we're reporting on now, right? A lot of this stuff is from 2019, 2021, 2020. So it's like kind of before or during the beginning of the pandemic. It, it's, it's still a little bit out of date is what I'm saying here. And I, I just take that with a grain of salt. So yes, let's talk about kind of the main course here, distracted driving. Uh, and and we can talk about it in the lens of this article here, which is suggesting that sex while driving could be a form of distracted driving. So let's actually break this down. So distracted driving, this could be defined as any activity kind of that, that takes your attention away from um, activities critical for safe driving or operating a vehicle, right? So these distractions can be categorized into three different areas. If you think about visual distractions, manual distractions, or cognitive distractions, you want examples of each, right? A visual distraction might be looking at a phone to read a text message. That is something that is distracting you from looking at the road. Um, you are looking at manual distractions. These are sort of the activities that take the hands away from the wheel. Uh, so not taking the <laughs> the article into account here, uh, but you know an another example might be um, sort of dialing a handheld phone, right? So you hold the phone yeah. in one hand and you're dialing the other, and you're holding the steering wheel with your knees. Uh, and and then the last one here is cognitive, and so these types of distractions uh, is when a driver's mind is off the road. So this is any time that your mind floats to a different thought, any time that you are sort of thinking about work while you're on the road, those types of things, um, or or sort of uh, we talked about working on the road, like dictating an email while you're um, kind of talking to your phone, doing this on the road, right? That is that is a uh, you're, you're taking your mind off the road. So, you know, there's a lot of different distractions that require a mix of 
any one of these th- three sort of cognitive resources at any given time. Um, so in this handheld phone example, it requires all three resources and is considered um, a distraction for both or all visual, manual, and cognitive. And when we look at this article through the lens of distracted driving, traditionally, sex would fall across all three of these categories, right? It is both a it is, it is a visual distraction, a manual distraction, and a cognitive distraction. I'm not going to describe specific acts here. I think <laughs> uh, everyone can use their imaginations for that. We're trying to keep this, I wouldn't say somewhat family friendly, but we're trying to keep it away from the R rating. So yes. <laughs> we'll put it there. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about some of these distracted driving statistics? Yeah, no, absolutely. The uh, So in 2019, there were 3,142 people killed and many more people injured um, in motor vehicle crashes involving distracted drivers. 8% of factory crashes in uh, factory crashes, 8% of fatal crashes in 2019 were reported as distracted affected crashes. And at any given daylight moment across America, approximately 660,000 drivers are using cell phones or manipulating electronic devices whilst driving. So new voice activated technologies intend to reduce crashes due to distraction, uh, even more distracting than previous in vehicle technology, which I think some people find surprising, but actually when you actually think about it, it makes sense. Um, and if you're texting whilst driving, it raises a driver's crash risk by 23 times. I mean, that's 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 a significant amount of multiplication. Staggering. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go into the uh, into the effects? Yeah, let's jump into some of the effects of distracted driving. A, a lot of these are kind of fairly straightforward. We don't need to go too into detail here, but um, obviously, if you're distracted, you're going to take increased time that your eyes are off the road. Uh, you're you're not going to be looking at the road, uh, which is giving you critical visual information about the state of everything. Talk about situation awareness when you are dipping out of that situation awareness for a couple seconds to answer a text or uh, have sex, then you are, in fact, not looking at the road, right? You're also having an increased reaction time to hazards, especially when you are looking at those cognitive distractions, right? So thinking about something else while you're on the road is going to increase the reaction time uh, when, uh, I don't know, a ball comes into the middle of the road from a kid playing in the street or um, a tree falling. I, you know, there's there's a, any number of things that can happen. We're also looking at increased braking reaction time, and especially if your feet are not in the pedal area, as this article <laughs> says, right? <laughs> that will have a huge impact on, on sort of your braking reaction time. And so um, not only are you not able to swerve out of the way, but you are not able to brake as easily. Um, there's also a greater speed variability and slower mean speed when you are distracted driving and slow speed can be dangerous too. Um, you know, the, the, and, and when we talk about speed variability, we're talking about kind of not a consistent speed, which can also be dangerous for drivers around you because they can't anticipate your movements if you are distracted doing other things and hitting the gas and hitting the brakes at an infrequent, inconsistent rate. And then sort of, the, the, we talked about the lane deviations and the lane departures uh, within the context of the article. That's another thing that can happen as an effect of distracted driving. And lastly, kind of uh, you can follow cars closer uh, when you are distracted, too, because you are not uh, sort of doing the recommended counting in your head of paces behind a vehicle for every 
you know, 10 kilometers per hour or 10 miles per hour that you are going. Um, and so that is kind of distracted driving in a nutshell, risky driving behaviors in a nutshell. Any other final thoughts on that stuff before we start talking about this article in the context of all this? I guess the one thing that we haven't talked about at all is motivation um, in, in with this in terms of that risky, beha risky behavior. Because all the other sort of risky behaviors that we've talked about tend to be um you kind of done it be because you've um you've ended up in a circumstance or you might be accidental so like drink driving you've drank something and then thought to drive whatever with the article that we're talking about um they they are taking part in a specific act um and they're doing the the two acts together so um you know you talked about why are they doing that in the first place so they actually want to engage in risky behavior that's that's part of the uh, I guess that's part of the thrill. That's part of the motivation behind doing it, which maybe um, is something that we should be picking up in the in the article discussion. But again, it, it looks about why we you dig back into why would people be motivated to take that sort of risky behavior, um, and we see that across also all, um, all parts of life as well, where people take part in in risky acts for the adrenaline buzz for for that type of thing. So that's something to look into that motivational bit about why that why you would take part in that sort of activity in the first place. No, that's that's a great point. I mean, you know, when we talk about motivation, you're talking about some of these instances like drunk driving where your uh sort of uh judgment might be impaired, right? Mm -hmm. Um drug impaired, same thing. Judgment might be impaired. Seatbelt driving, seatbelt safety, you might just not have the knowledge of, you know, how how effective it is at saving your life. You might just be uncomfortable. Um, mm -hmm. and that to me is more of an active choice, but since that's so, such a high use rate, I don't want to focus too much on that one when it comes to speeding and aggressive driving. Obviously, if something happens that agitates you and, and irritates, uh, your, um, I don't know, status quo, then, then you are more likely to engage in risky behaviors because again, your judgment is impaired. And when it comes to drowsy driving, again, we have that judgment impaired thing. Now, distracted driving is kind of the one that's interesting because your judgment is not necessarily impaired by any external factors here. Um, right. You are sort of choosing to engage in some of these behaviors, whether it's looking at your phone or, um, you know, responding to a text message or having sex in, in this article. Right. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. And thank you for bringing up that motivation. Right. So um, let's talk about, the article discussion, is there any like key takeaways that you want to talk about here, Barry, in terms of uh, distracted driving as it relates to having sex in a vehicle while it's moving? There is a certain element here about firstly, how did they get funded to do that? And can I get some <laughs> of that funding? Um, it is interesting that they've, that the way that they've bought a lot of that out, um, that they've, that they focus on this this area of distraction when actually distraction can, can take um a broad variety as we talked about tonight there's loads of stuff that you can be distracted around there um so i guess the the uh, an interesting bit around it is if you're looking at this behavior on um on the internet then is that going to increase the ability the, the risk of then you wanting to copy that um that activity so how do you make sure that that um that bit there is you know is that the right thing to do should we should they be putting that sort of um that material on there um my i mean the bit that i mentioned in in my commentary is the impact on future car development um and autonomy um and i realize i've just stolen two of your points that's fair enough um but the the autonomy piece i think is really interesting because we've already seen 
um, accidents involving um, cars that have, have have autonomous capability, where people know that they're meant to be sat there with their hands ready to go around the steering wheel, and and they don't. They've been, you know, they've they've been. Um, engaging in behavior that they knew was not what was required of them to, to drive. In some cases, they've been like in the back seat and they've been asleep. They've um, pick any almost any one of them, um, them, them behaviors above that we talked about. The autonomy element makes that more likely. Therefore, it does lend itself to will we'll be seeing more of this uh, sexual activity whilst um, whilst it whilst in a car. Because it it allows the driver to be uh, to not to pay as much attention to the road. I'll stop stealing your points now. What do you no, think about the? Th- that's that's great. No, I think these points are great, and I think the um the, the interesting piece to me also I'll jump on to the automated vehicles because there's kind of a late breaking story that just happened this week. We posted in our our news roundup on our blog. Um, you can go check that out and it's actually a candidate for next week's story. So if you want to hear about that, join us on Twitter, uh, vote in the poll or become a patron and vote there. Uh, but U.S. regulators here in the States no longer require fully autonomous vehicles to have human controls. So we are starting to go the way of where th- there doesn't need to be any sort of human input on these autonomous vehicles. And so acts like this might become more and more prevalent. Um, and you know, it does kind of bring into question like the whole human in the loop concept, right? How do you kind of keep the human engaged with what's going on around you in case there is an emergency scenario? Someone crashes into you while you're having sex in a vehicle that's automated. Like, how do you how do you react to that when you are distracted or even, you know, as simple as something where you are working on a project on your laptop because, you know, you're just it's all automated. You don't need to worry about it. How do you keep the human in the loop? So it brings up that whole uh, sort of question. I think one thing that I really appreciate is kind of the authors, uh, one of the authors on Twitter, they, they had this whole thread here and they kind of uh, highlighted the importance of doing this type of research. And yes, there there are questions about controls. But when you think about having sort of a, um, a, a study like this, there's there's a bunch of things that need to go right in order to have a true experimental study to you know, analyze. Yeah. And and this is sort of self-reported um, acts. And I wonder, too, like how much of this is professional where they have, you know, kind of a car in tow on a trolley. Right. Or or is this like user submitted where it is actual people performing these acts in a vehicle that's moving? I don't know. That that'd be an interesting question to kind of break down in sort of these 270 videos that they looked at. Um, so, so I think, like I said, the 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 thing that I really appreciate is that this author really breaks down sort of the importance of this. You already mentioned the future vehicles. You already mentioned the copycat behaviors. I think there's another one here um, that's kind of getting at how we think about distraction and really starting to think about these distractions and very complex tasks, right? I think those these distracted driving behaviors that really do take the visual, the manual, and the cognitive distraction all in one go. But then there's also these nested tasks that they talk about, such as undressing. Um, and that is sort of a complex distraction to sort of describe these nested interactions where you are uh, doing something else within a larger task. And so when we think about sort of our conceptualization of distraction, all these things are really important. And um, you know, I think kind of the final note here is that this is an incredibly risky behavior. Uh, and like, like you said in the, 
in the blurb that this really does require a lot of different industries to kind of look at this, right? Health, how do you communicate that this is not a a healthy behavior to engage in while you are on the road? Uh, transportation, you know, I I would like to see how prevalent this issue is, honestly. Like, where the reports from, like, the NHTSA or any other uh, government um you know highway administration like where where are the reports and how many of those in fact are as a result of sex while driving and is it really that big of an issue to to talk about or is this kind of a very niche area that still is kind of fun and cheeky to talk about i don't know um but yeah it's going to require a bunch of different uh sources to kind of solve this issue um and as it becomes more prevalent with these automated vehicles. Any other closing thoughts on this one, Barry? This is a fun one. Yeah, I guess there's there's two. One is if there is more research required, then Nick's email address is. Um, <laughs> and also, if you listen back to the, to um, to Nick's final closing comments, you'll notice that um, he put in um, a lot of stuff there because his mum's listening, and, and he made out that he doesn't li- doesn't look at any of these sort of websites at all, which I thought was very clever. And my mum's not listening, so I don't I don't need to get away with that. Um, but no, I think it is interesting. I like top, I, I like research like this that is willing to cross barriers, is willing to make us think about what we're doing and not yes. People, it's it, it's sort of embarrassing and stuff like that. People don't like talking about sex and ooh, all that sort of stuff. But it, we absolutely have to on a whole range of topics. But this is quite because it is dangerous. It, it, you know, I, I I get why people do this sort of stuff, fun, exciting, all that sort of stuff. But it's dangerous. So yes, yeah, so what are what are going to be the impacts of this going on? And also comfort. Surely you've got to make sure them the the um, the seats in the car are comfortable to, for doing this sort of thing, which is also a human yeah. factor. Do, do they recline far enough? You know that type exactly. of thing. Is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Do they do they go back far enough so that you can get your feet in the pedal area? There's all these all these considerations, yes. obviously. Yeah. Well, well, Barry, I think we handled that quite well. Um, I'm I'm very proud of us. <laughs> Maturely, I thought we we were very mature about the whole thing. Thank you to our patrons for this week, and thank you to everyone who participated in our Twitter poll for selecting our topic, and thank you to our friends over at Queensland University of Technology for our news story this week. This was really enjoyable to talk about. If you want to follow along, we do post links to all the original articles on our weekly roundups and our blog. You can also join us on our Discord for more sexy discussion on this story and more. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. 
Yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons. We especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patron, Michelle Tripp. Uh, thank you so much. Your continued support helps the show keep going. Uh, we're always looking for more patrons because the more we get, obviously, the more we can expand our capability and accessibility to others. We talked about this in the pre-show. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about our Discord. Uh, we do have a Discord server. It's If you want to go to it, it's go.humanfactorscast.media slash Discord. Very easy url to get to uh this this is a great opportunity for you to get involved with other human factors professionals from all over the world we're always having great uh conversations in there and i'd like to take this moment to kind of highlight some of these conversations right now i asked a question in there earlier this week about kind of what's the worst mistake that you've made in recent history uh and we got some good answers in there i won't spoil them here you got to go to the you got to go to the discord to check those out both barry and i responded to that one um you know, additionally, there are questions about sort of breaking into sort of UX and human factors work from other domains. That's that's another conversation thread that's going on right now um, in terms of kind of tailoring your past work for uh, getting into the field of human factors, UX research, that type of thing. So there's always great conversations going on over there. Highly encourage anyone who's listening. If you want to get involved with the community, uh, please go check it out. Um, you can either you can also chat with others in our voice channels. I'll occasionally jump in there while I'm looking for news stories. Um, and, you know, if you are interested in the digital media lab, we do have, uh, you know, all of our lab chat is kind of done through the Discord platform. It's hidden to the public, but you can interact with all of our lab members and kind of ask them questions if it's something that you're curious about and if you're interested in that type of thing. Um, it's an incredibly effective tool. Anyway, Discord bump done. I think it's time that we get into this next part of the show we like to call. It came from. It came from. Yes, it came from. This week it's all Reddit. And this is the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics that the community is topping, talking about. If you find any of these useful wherever you're watching, listening, Please give us a like to help other people find this content so that way it might help them too. Barry, I have selected a somewhat controversial topic because you did one last week uh, on, on what was it, the, uh, the paper prototyping. I have chosen one this week on handwriting. I want to talk about this one first. Evangelizing that UX and UI designers or human factors practitioners improve their handwriting to be more on par with industrial designers and architects. Why? In front of clients, handwriting is an autobiography. It creates clarity, builds trust, and increases confidence. This is by Sachio222 on the user experience subreddit. That's it. That's the post. Uh, it is a link to a video. You can watch it there. Uh, we'll put the link in the description. It triggered me, Barry. H here we are. Um, what do you think about this concept? Do UX folks, UI folks, and human factors folks need to have good handwriting? in order to sort of communicate concepts in front of clients? No, next question. Um, the, so from my perspective, my handwriting's terrible. So, you know, I'll, I'll put my, my thing out there. That's why I type most of my stuff up. But I think the main point I think I use this is if I'm workshopping and that can be whiteboarding on post-its and things like that. But it kind of, for me, gets out a lot of the, the passion that you're talking with. And all them sort of notes and that type of thing are all very much of its time and you'll probably transcribe them later and, and that type of thing. If I was writing longhand reports, then yes, my, my writing would have to get a lot better. But um, the, I don't, I think if I could, if I could write neater, then yes, that, that would be an, an, an obvious advantage. I'm not, I'm definitely not 
not saying that, but am I going to sit there and slow down my creative thought just to get my handwriting so everybody can see it? Um, possibly not. Um, I guess the you, you look at different skills in the room. If, if there is somebody with better handwriting than me, then I'll pick on them to to do the uh, to do the whiteboard stuff. Um, but I think it's no, you shouldn't be picking. I don't think you should be picking on people for their for the state of their handwriting. Um, it's more that you're likely to to get more people to turning off engaging with with what with your activity if you're just going to critique them on the on the way that they write. That said, it should all be legible and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, um, I'd rather people got involved than worried about what how their writing was going to look like. Yeah. Anyway, this, you think <laughs> this is shit? I it triggered me because I I think your resources can be spent in so much other better, more efficient ways than improving your handwriting, right? Why don't you improve your research methodology? Why don't you improve the the tools in which you're the, the tools and methods in which you are collecting user data, the way in which you communicate? Now I would I would argue that communication is an absolutely critical skill that you should invest in because understanding what somebody is saying, reading between the lines of what they're saying and asking clarifying questions about what they are saying is key to getting good data that's going to inform your design. So with that said, handwriting is not going to do any of that. Um, this is, this is, this makes me mad. <laughs> it makes me mad. It's such a bad take. It's such a bad take. Uh, don't, don't worry about your handwriting. If it sucks, it sucks. But it sucks. It's one, yeah, yeah. It's not the end of the world, and it's not the people who advocate that this is uh, sort of the next way to go. I don't know. It, it just it it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Anyway, there's the controversial one for this week. Get it out of the way at the top. <laughs> We're gonna get Sorry, into this. <laughs> we'll get into this next one. This is how to cope with job rejections after receiving positive feedback. This is uh, written by Dream in White on the user experience subreddit. They go on to write, Hi, everyone. I was wondering if you guys have any advice on how to cope with job rejections, particularly when interviewers respond with, quote, very positive feedback, but not, quote, the right fit for the role at the moment. It has been really disheartening getting several rejections after doing multiple interviews only to get this type of feedback. I'm not sure if they are just saying that to make me feel better or if I could genuinely be doing something better. Also, do you guys have any advice on how I can do any better? I felt good coming out of each interview, but get these rejections ultimately. I'm not sure where I'm going wrong. Uh, they go on to write, uh, they go on to provide a few examples. I won't go into them, but to summarize, basically their companies are effectively citing timing and fit for the reason that they weren't hired. So Barry, um, how do you cope with job rejections? Have you ever had a job rejection? How do you cope with it? Um, I've been rejected for many jobs. Um, and it's, I guess, more recently. So obviously having run my own company for the past 10 years, um, I guess the rejections we get more of now is when we maybe go for contracts and and we we lose the contract. We don't win the contract. You know, we'll get feedback saying, oh, it's really good and this, that, and the other. And you're like, yeah, but if it was that good, why didn't why didn't I get it? Um all you can do, I mean, fundamentally, the person who's hiring for that job will hire the candidate they, that they think is the best for their job. And on the one hand, we I, I really I'm a big fan of employment law um, and the discrimination laws that make sure that you are treated fairly when you go, go when you go into an interview that you are um, you know you get you get to um, you're not discriminated 
against all sex color uh, creed um all that sort of stuff you're very much taken at the the technical capability of what you do but fundamentally that the person who's hiring is going to have the candidate that they want to hire um and it might be one candidate two candidates however many and the rest the rest of us are just aren't going to get the job and certainly i feel when i've had to let people down i don't really want to go back to people and say um you know you were awful you were rubbish i just didn't like you and that sort of stuff you want to give them you want to give people feedback that they can constructively go back and use and i've i've interviewed quite a few candidates and in fact we did we did it at the start of the uh, start of this year um no sorry started last year when we were we had some amazing candidates come and come and talk and it was you know a, a hair's whisker between who we were hiring and, and and second and third place so you you don't want to go back and say you know it was close these were the great bits these are the bits where we think you could improve um you've just got to take them at the face value um take the take the uh, the feedback that you've got build upon it on the plus points work on the on the perceived um weaknesses that that, that that might have been highlighted but also don't forget that the sometimes that you might have just had a weakness highlighted because they felt they had to say something um and some i think a lot of this particularly if you're getting this sort of feedback where where you get really good feedback most of the time it is a case of it's not you it's me um as in it's the hirers they just they just chosen they, they've just chosen the candidate that they want that they feel is the be- is the better fit for their job role organization and it it just is what it is i'm afraid i think um certainly from my perspective nick what do you think have you ever been rejected for a job yes i have um and it's it's almost worse in a lot of ways when you don't hear back and so mm-hmm. i guess be thankful that you are hearing back even in the first place uh so you know you can you can think that you have like this amazing sort of rapport with the team and with you know, everybody involved in the hiring process and you feel like you gel with the company. But honestly, it could be any number of things that they chose not to hire you for. And Barry, like you said, it could be kind of just teetering on the line, flip a coin, who gets it, right? Like there's a lot of good candidates out there. And if for whatever reason, somebody is just a better fit culturally, then that might be a consideration, right? It could be a culture fit. It could be um a convenience fit. You know, you might you might not live as close, even though you're remote, you might not live as close to the rest of the team. And that might be a consideration, too. Um, there's just a million different things in what it could be. And so I wouldn't sit and ruminate on it. I know it's hard not to do. But my advice is kind of, um, you know, ask these questions that you're asking this this Reddit, right? Ask these questions to them, right? Like, hey, uh, do you have any advice on what I can do to improve for the next person or the next company that I apply to, right? And ask them for some of that gen- genuine feedback. And if if they're a good company and want to provide some of that, they will. What do you have to lose, right? They they already said they're not going to hire you, so you might as well get something out of that process, and and sort of really analyze what went well, what didn't, and maybe try to figure out what it could be, but don't drive yourself mad doing that. Um, there's there's just a lot of things it could be. Don't beat yourself up over it. Uh, just, you know, head down, keep applying. You'll get there. Um, yeah. Look I, forward. Keep, keep looking forward. Don't look back. Look forward. Yeah. Well, head down, do the work, and then look forward. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this last one here. Do you need a portfolio for UX research? This is by the and. Antinon, the Antinon on the user experience subreddit. 
I'm currently applying to UX design jobs and internships, but my main experience is just volunteer nonprofit work, and it's competitive out there. I like design a lot, but I also understand that UX, in UX, the research is the foundation of everything else, and I want to start looking into those jobs too. I have some short-term experience in research, a research sprint or school's design lab, developing user research plans and feedback, et cetera. But my resume right now is tailored to design. What sort of skills and knowledge are they looking for in applications? How important is my portfolio in UX research versus UX design? What can I do to make myself a good candidate, especially uh, for associate or junior roles? Barry, there's there's a lot to dissect here, actually. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? So firstly, there's no such thing as just volunteer non-for-profit work. Um, volunteer work, work is work, whether it, whether you're paid for it or not. How you're, um, how you're engaged with it is got nothing to do with um, monetary value. Um, most people I find who do volunteer work actually put more effort into the volunteer work than they do the, the, do the paid work because, because of the way that uh, our minds work around it. It's, it's weird, but true. Um, uh, but you are right; it is competitive out there. I don't get hung up that much about the different in in the UX and human factors field. Um, generally, generally, I find that people know a little bit of everything and then have the stuff that they like to do. So, I think that you, you know, put, having this big divide between the research and the design elements, they both sort of kind of blend into into each other to a certain extent, um, and. If you've got some experience there, then great. But you want to do more, then um, if you bring that out, show that you can do uh, do both sides. Um, but yeah, don't throw your portfolio away just because you think it's in in the wrong side. Um, show something that's that's balanced. Um, and because fundamentally, when you get to interview, when you get to apply for uh, roles, really, what they're looking for is you. They're looking for your personality. They're looking for your drive, your commitment to. Um, I've had um, certainly experiences where I went for one job and it was all around an area of, of human factors I'd never done before. Never, I just hadn't even um, been anywhere near it. And But I sort of chatted to them and told them what I was like, the sort of um, stuff I get involved in, the sort of stuff I like to do. You know, I, I love learning new te techniques, new ideas and that type of thing. And they're like, oh, you don't actually have the skills that we're looking for, but you've, um, you know, you've shown a commitment to them. We're fairly sure you could pick them up. It's not rocket science, blah blah blah, and um, and ended up getting the role, which was which was great. And then ended up growing myself within within that piece. So, yeah, I think look at yourself um, as much as anything else. Bring out what you can do um, and tell people what you want to, where you want to go, what you want to do. Most good companies, if they're if they see the the personality within you, will help you um, go in the direction you want to go in. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I, I, I have a problem with labeling a thing, a research portfolio. Um, when you think about UX design or design in general, it makes sense to have a portfolio of work in which you have sort of uh, these examples of past work that you can point to and say, look, here's the process that I used for this. These are the components that I use for this because of X, Y, and Z. This is kind of the process. But when it comes to research, Really, your research is your body of work that you've worked on before. And really, you're going to want to take anything that's relevant to the job that you're applying and sort of make a job talk out of it. In a lot of cases, you're going to do like a presentation or some sort of overview about the breadth and depth of research that you've conducted. 
and talk a lot about the methodology that you employ and not necessarily, you know, some of the outcomes or the pretty screens or whatever that comes out of it. So I have a problem with calling something a UX research portfolio when you think about, you know, like, hey, I've done this methodology and this is where I've applied it. I mean, take note of that, but don't you don't need a website to say that or you don't need sort of this fancy um you know, tool online through Figma that shows you like everything that you've done. No, just talk about it. Make a PowerPoint that's good enough for most people because really what you're doing in those roles is not design. You're doing research. And so, I don't know, just take a look at the body of work that you've done and pull out the research stuff. Now, in terms of the specific person that, you know, they're looking for, how do I uh, sort of reframe some of the stuff that I've done in design work and aim that towards research. You can do that. Um, I'm not going to spoil the answer to that because we have the answer to that in our discord. Go check it out there. Um, but, but really the gist is that you have work that you've done, reframe it and, and try to make it more applicable to the role that you want. Okay. We've made it through Barry. It's time for that, that one more thing, no introduction, just one more thing. So, Contrary to what I usually do, I'm going to go with one more thing as opposed to, I'm, I'm not, no twofers. Um, but it's just been, here in Wales, it rains a lot and it's been winter and all that sort of stuff. But it's now nice weather. And for the past few days, it's been really nice. And I've been out, I've been outside. I've been doing some bits of DIY, but not just the, the stuff that is in the house. And I, and, I, and I should be doing, my Amanda, my wife says, I should be doing all this. I haven't done any of that. I've been doing something I've been enjoying. I've been doing some woodworking and creating a new workbench and, and all this sort of stuff and a bit of gardening. And it's just helped my mental health so much. I've just felt like a different person this week, like a lot more optimistic and a lot, lot, um, lot more forward-looking, and I've just really enjoyed it. So, yay for nice weather and yay for this past week. Uh, it's probably the lack of COVID too is probably why you're feeling like a brand new person. There is a bit of that as well. Yes. So <laughs> the, the the COVID the uh, the COVID fairy has left the body. <laughs> Uh, which is good. And I did another test. A friend of mine tested positive uh, today. So I, I took another test just in case maybe it come back or something. Uh, but no, th yes, that, that is true. But um, but nice weather as well. Yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Yes, the weather is changing. Uh, we're going to go see the cherry blossoms this weekend. So that'll be fun. Uh, for, for me, my one more thing. Um, I've, I've talked about my mental health here on the show before. Um, I recently diagnosed with ADHD. Uh, I'm going to talk about drugs. Um, I was recently prescribed new drugs uh, because I wasn't quite sure how effective the last batch was. And I won't name specific names here, but this this one operates very differently from the other ones that I have tried. And um, it is both wonderful and um, really difficult to deal with. So during the day, I take these things and I'm like very, very focused and productive with what I'm working on. When they start wearing off in the evening, um, I get really irritable. Uh, it is like, it is so annoying because in my head, I'm like, don't get irritable. Like it's very, it's a very small thing. It's going to set you off. Why is it setting you off? That's so weird. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so weird the way that some of these interactions with your brain chemistry work. Uh, and I just find it endlessly fascinating to like, I, I'm treating this like trial and error, right? Like this, this is going to be like a month long, maybe month and a half long trial at various dosages. and. Um, various combinations with other medications that I'm taking. And so it's like, it's, it is this interesting uh, way to approach it from like a scientist perspective of mm -hmm. like, well, how, how is my body reacting? And I'm, I'm trying to like take that 
objective perspective and being like, yes, I'm very much more irritable when this thing wears off and I can feel it wearing off and I can feel it coming on and I can, I am noticing a, a market increase in my productivity at work. And I am, you know, like I'm, I'm writing notes about this so that way I come back to my, uh, my prescriber and say, you know, here's, here's everything that's going on. Uh, and I am treating it like an experiment and I'm comparing and cool. contrasting across groups. Um, yeah, it's 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 very fascinating. And I would love to talk to anybody else who has had a similar experience because it's just I don't know. It's something I haven't experienced before. Anyway, <laughs> that's going to be it for today, everyone. If you like this episode and enjoy some of the discussion about distracted driving and how we might be able to eliminate that with AI and automation and vehicles, I'll encourage you to go listen to episode 227, uh, How Cars of the Future Might Understand Our Passengers. Comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week for more in-depth discussion. Like I said, you can join us on our Discord community. It's a great place. Uh, for uh, everything else, you can visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter, stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple things that you can do. One, wherever you're at right now, stop, leave us a five-star review. That's free for you to do. Uh, it takes a little bit of your time, but it really helps out the show. Two, if you're so willing, tell other people about the show. That really helps the show grow because it comes at your recommendation that you, in fact, are enjoying what you're listening to. Three, if you're financially able and want to help support the show, help support others by becoming more accessible or providing more tools for us to use internally in the lab, you can always consider supporting us on Patreon. As always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. Mr. Barry Th Kirby, thank you for being on the show today and talking about this taboo topic with us. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about explicit acts that they can perform in moving vehicles? Um, I think there's probably a different Twitter account for that. Uh, but my Twitter account is at Baz underscore K. You can find me on there at any time. Or if you want to listen to some of the other stuff we get, uh, we talk about with the interview side of things, then 1202, the Human Factors podcast, is at 1202podcast.com. We almost made it through. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. depends. All right, stick around. We're going to do a post show. <laughs> oh, how do you post show that one? Wow, that was phenomenal. It was. Uh, wow. It was so I, I was kind of, when you were asking when you sort of said about the Patreon and bit and supporting us, I was going to say because that 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 Pornhub subscription won't, won't pay for itself. <laughs> research, it's research, right? Absolutely. God. It's, um, oh man. Do you reckon they put that in the grant application? Mm. Uh, Pornhub Pro membership or whatever it is, because presumably there, there must be some, must be a membership model. Uh, yeah, and I, I okay. So so we're talking about methodology now. I'm wondering why they didn't explore other websites um or if there was just too much cross across the websites that it was just you know i, I mean did they choose one to keep it the same i don't know maybe yeah it's um... like like do they have a shared account so that way they can like see what the other uh research assistants kind of looked at and and they make sure that they didn't watch that one um as and well they must, have, they must have had um there must have been a checklist type thing involved because you never, well, I don't think it would have occurred to me to look at the, you know, the whole, they must have had a, check, a checklist of safety because they obviously picked up the thing about the seatbelts. They um, picked up like, you know, hands on the wheels, feet in the footwell, all that sort of stuff. So they must have had a checklist on each video about what was, what I'd be really quite interested because I don't know how much pay, how much detail the actual paper went in 
to itself because I didn't actually read the entire paper because it was obviously behind the firewall. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'd, I'd, I'd be really interested to talk to the researchers to sort of say, look, what you know, paper aside, what was the nitty gritty behind um, this? And, and did you really come up with it? How did you come up with the idea of it in the first place? Tell me you were in the bar and seeing. Um, right. Or like five or six B is what's the most ridiculous paper you can, um, or most ridiculous thing you can think of applying it to, but then then actually it turns out to be a really good serious paper. Um, I just think it's 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 amusing. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Um, I am looking at. It appeals to my childish sense of humor as well. Yeah, <laughs> which always helps. So it says it's free until April twenty seven, uh, which means anyone listening to this or watching this uh should be able to get access i'm i'm okay i found the full pdf here we can we can dig into this because i think this is where the post show actually really excels is when we use it as an extension to talk about uh the article in more depth i really like that aspect of the post show um why did i get hold of it then why i don't I, i'm gonna i don't know i i was on one side and it said you know access through your institution but then i yeah. like re-clicked on the link and it said view pdf so i'm not sure what's going on here um, you might have to access the link through the one shared in the Twitter thread and not the one that I've posted in our show notes. Um, I'm not uh, sure. Might be. I may have like posted the like official one because I didn't want, you know, anyone, anyone that shouldn't get it for free, get it for free. I don't know. So let's see here. The, um, the methodology is what we're really looking at here, right? So Methods. Uh, ethics approval to conduct this research was granted by the Queensland University Technology Human Research Ethics Committee. Okay. The videos used for this content analysis were most viewed videos in the straight and gay category from most visited free internet SEM website at the data of time collection, pornhub.com. Okay. So they are... Uh, Let's see here. Most visited free internet uh, website. So, so that was their criteria. That's why they chose this one. Um, this pr approach of using the most viewed videos. Okay, so that's how they did it. They they did most viewed videos. It's an indicator of popularity and relevance, uh, and it's been used in previous content analyses. Um, using internet traffic anal analytics, they identified the most viewed. Uh, sexually explicit material websites globally and selected the most popular, uh, which is Pornhub. Rationale for selecting Pornhub uh, was based on three, two, two factors. One, it's free website accessible to the general population across platforms. Two, it's the most trafficked website. It's likely to be used by most people, including drivers. Um, the present yeah. study was focused on analyzing videos that depicted a driver engaging in sexual activity while in control of the moving vehicle. Data collection occurred in two, here we go. Data collection occurred in two phases, whereby an initial larger sample of videos, including the number of views, likes, and their rank was uh, collected in December, 2019. This included a conservative initial sample of 4,000 videos, whereby the search terms driver and driving were entered separately into the Pornhub website search function. Uh, 2,000 videos were sampled for the, quote, driver and, quote, driving search terms. Um, the second phase of more detailed data collection of the videos, i.e. assessing videos against inclusion criteria and collection of additional video data, 
occurred across January to October of 2020. So they spent, what, 10 months watching porn. Uh, the coding of the included sample of 270 videos was undertaken concurrently during January to October 2020. Why am I not surprised it took so long to get that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, for, for this content analysis, a total of 270 videos were selected from Pornhub.com with 210 videos from the straight category and 60 videos from the gay category. Uh, overall, the coders viewed and coded 25.4 hours of sexually explicit material videos. Uh, inclusion criteria were that the video participants were driving a moving vehicle, a large taxi, a, a large car, a truck. Uh, whilst the vehicle was moving, the clothed or unclothed driver was engaging in some form of sexual activity in the present um, in, in the present study. Driving included a driver in control of the moving vehicle on a road on a road, whilst videos depicting the use of a driving simulator, a static vehicle with an exterior screen displaying real traffic or a vehicle that is stopped and pulled over always when sexual activity occurred were excluded. Okay, so they did control for those things. However, there's no way to know whether or not it was a professional video that they had like on a dolly behind a moving vehicle. So that way there's no yeah, danger. Yeah. Right. Uh, sexual activity included at a minimum driver's genital. Okay, this might be too much to talk about here. Um, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to talk about this stuff. This will this will turn our... Uh, our, our what PG-13 rating into an R real quick. Uh, the, vi the video could be amateur or professional in the nature of this context. Provide Anyway, th that's just describing some sexual acts. Uh, the video could be amateur or professional in the nature of its content provided the inclusion criteria mentioned above were satisfied. Um, videos were excluded if no sexual activity was depicted while the vehicle was moving. The most common reasons for excluding the videos were no driving was depicted, no driving during sex was depicted, and the driver was not engaged in uh, the driver was not engaged in sexual activity, or the video was a duplicate. Um, so that's the method section. I just read the whole method section, uh, but minus that one part. Seems legit. Uh, um. So let's see here. If you want to talk about the coding, right? We have um, the measures themselves. That's not the whole method session, I guess. That was the sample selection. So here's the measures, right? Consistent with uh, previous content analysis procedures, a preliminary pilot content analysis of videos was undertaken between October and November to develop the coding system for the content analysis of the videos. They developed a written coding manual defining each category of behavior with examples of the codes. Code definitions were refined in a pilot phase. So this is very similar yeah, to yeah, your prediction yeah. here. Videos were coded from beginning to end. Coders first collected data about the driver and the passenger characteristics, such as gender, whether or not they were male or female, um, maximum amount of nudity reached in the vehicle, which included fully clothed, topless, or at least one uh, nipple showing, but generally <laughs> genitals covered, upper body clothed, but genitals exposed, and fully naked with genitals exposed. So they had some various categories there. Coders subsequently, uh, subs um, subsequently, collected data about the presence of sexual behaviors, accounting for behaviors that could be performed by the driver or passenger on themselves and or the other person uh, purely on the vehicle occupant. Uh, let's see here. Or purely on the other vehicle occupant. The, the, these behaviors included blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to list them. In total, 13 possible sexual behaviors were coded for both the driver and the passenger. 
Um, additional data were collected regarding characteristics, so vehicle transmission, type of vehicle, uh, and road environment characteristics, so type of road surrounding geographical context, weather, day, daytime, nighttime, uh, a range of interactions between the driver and other road users, so other vehicles, pedestrians, cyclists were coded, including verbal interactions, eye contact, glances, and physical interactions and gestures. Lastly, several groups of non-sexual driving behaviors were coded, such as protective behaviors, i.e., uh, or for example, seat belt use, vehicle control, so how many hands were on the steering wheel, keeping two feet in the pedal area, and distracted driving behaviors, holding the phone or camera, or phone used while driving, undressing while driving. Some videos had periods of the vehicle being stopped. We coded sexual activities, interactions with the other road users, and road environment characteristics when the vehicle was moving and stopped. That's a lot. Um, wow. Obviously, obviously they controlled for intercoder reliability and they performed a data analysis on it. Um, but really, that is kind of at the um, at the crux of that methodology that we're all kind of curious about. Um, so ju just fundamentally, I was right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Cool. No, that's good. As long as as long as we as long as we're there, that's fine. <laughs> no, again, it's it's good. I mean. I always find the um, codifying a video anyway a an interesting, if not laboriously, at the time afterwards the data is always good, but when you're doing it, God, is it mind-numbingly boring? Well, uh, I don't think in this case it's it's probably not no, mind-numbingly. <laughs> slightly different, but um, but even I mean, so, think about maybe... think about recruitment for this lab, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but is it is it one of these things though that actually because you're, you're looking at it in such a um, no probably way. different way, you know, you're looking at codifying behavior and, and you're so, you'll be so focused on, right, okay, seatbelt on, seatbelt off, all that sort of stuff. You know, you, you, you'll probably never look at that sort of material in the same way again. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, yeah, right? I mean, like, they go to watch it for fun and they're like, oh, are they inside, outside? Is it nighttime, daytime? They're wearing a seat. Oh, they're wearing a seatbelt. That's great. <laughs> Feet in the footwell. Well done. That, that That's excellent. Well done. But um, yeah, it, it's um, fair play, I think. Um, I would like somebody to come up with a a really good system. I've sort of, I've seen a different system that, um, that somebody uses for codifying um, sports matches. And look and um, looking at the advertising time um, that somebody gets on a billboard and stuff, and so they so they can monetize it and stuff like that. And I saw that system and I was like, that could be really good for um, for codifying, um, you know, video for, of whatever type of video. Um, right. And I just haven't had a project recently since I saw that system that, that I need that I needed to codify anything that I, I wanted to sort of turn around and say can I just borrow that and just fiddle with it because I think this will work really really well um but may I'm, I'm kind of hoping that something will come up that will allow me to play with it in fact think about it I haven't codified a video for a good couple of years it's been a while maybe I need a project to brush up on it yeah so. yeah I, I I mean when when you think about like codifying videos in a user research perspective i often question what you get out of that um unless you're looking for very something very specific in terms of like monitoring and pulling out behaviors uh that are you know explicitly being uh studied so i don't know yeah it's been a while for me too i think the last time i coded videos was uh 
probably in undergrad. I don't know if I coded any videos in grad school. I like think about it. I I've, I've done more. Well, <laughs> okay, slightly funny story. I did one in 20, oh no, 21, 2019, probably about 2019, 2018, 2019, when I was working on a military project. And we were like, right, well, because the way that the stuff was recorded, we couldn't actually take the recording out of the, the building that we were in, uh, that, that it was being recorded. And we were like, you know, typical sort of defense stuff. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. great, whatever. Um, so we're like, that's fine. We'll go into the room itself where the recording is and we'll codify there. We'll sit down, we'll go through everything and, and all this sort of stuff. But because we codified the video, we couldn't take the codify out either. Um, that oh, no. Said, because it was directly taken from the source. And he was like, so when 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 we put this together, did anybody think that this was going to be a problem? Because I didn't. I, 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 thought I, had to, you know, I knew the video wouldn't be able to leave. But I had assumed that the codified material would be able to leave with it, and that wasn't the case. Right. I mean, well, I mean, it, it in here we go. Where is it? There it is. It depends. There we go. It, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wore the shirt tonight. Uh, this thing is worn to bits, by the way. Like, like all the I wear this so much that it's like <laughs> wearing Still. away. Um, nice. and and my other one with the logo on it is like getting holy because I I manage the cats and they like claw sometimes <laughs> yes decline oh. anyway um yes in in regards to like taking stuff out of a, a um a classified space uh, a high security space it, it's interesting because you have to like i i would bet that there are loopholes in the sense where you can sort of take the data out as long as it's anonymized so like yeah how many behaviors yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how many behaviors were exhibited here? As long as you have like a key in the classified space, you can analyze the data externally and, you know, sort of once the findings are out there, then then it's declassified because it's not individuals anymore. You know, like there are some weird workarounds for that. Uh, and I, I do not miss working in that space. Um, that is that was so painful to have to like make shorthand that I could carry out and manage in my head what I could and could not say um, you know what what we were working on and what we were studying and all that stuff it was it was uh, it's annoying I'm really glad I'm out of that domain. oh see see I, I like it. there's a certain in some respects there's a level of mystique around it um, there is there is around, you can turn around and say I, I can't tell you what I'm up to just 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 because and you could be working on any something really, you know, that week you could be working on something quite mundane, but nobody right, ever knows. Right. Um, the I've just started a new role, Ollie got more progressed into um, a new role um, that I've sort of been into the past couple of weeks, and it's proving to be very cool. Um, and and I'm in a federal lead, not just because, oh, hello. Um, we're we're back. Um, <laughs> um, but, but that's proving interesting again because it's, oh, it's, it's, got, it's got me into this phase. I'm, I haven't done. The, it's hard to describe so I, I haven't done this role from this perspective before and um, whereas normally I would be writing um, submissions and stuff whereas this time I'm sort of more judging them and, set, and setting the overall requirements which is quite cool um, but it, again it's, it's you know that whole imposter syndrome piece where you go back to sort of like right I haven't done it quite this way before can I do it can you do it and you, of course you can do it but you just sort of sit there going mm. so I've sort of had that, that a bit of that this week but it's um yeah, it's it's quite cool. 
It works for me. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Barry. I can I can also say those things. I can't tell you what I'm working on. I signed mm, an NDA. That's true. Uh, that um, and and basically work as a secret space, but I can keep everything contained there, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Um, not that I wouldn't share, you know, some things that I'm working on, like. I don't know. It just it, if it came up in casual conversation, I could, but like, I mean, specifics, right? About like what the company's doing and all that stuff. But that's I couldn't talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, like it's 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 kind of nice to have that freedom. Um, in a lot of ways, it's more freeing. In some companies, some large tech companies, I know having an NDA is even more strict than having you know work on working yeah. on classified material, and so it's like. I don't know. Pick your poison. Um, Hence why I'm here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And it's the ability. I mean, it's one of the things I really like about the human fact as well is it is a relatively small space. Um, there is uh, fewer 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 of us than the most of us. I mean, certainly in the UK, you know, there's um, we we we're in the low thousands as opposed to um, you know many 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 um and the ability i mean this is one of the reasons i'm looking forward to conference next month um is just the ability to get in a room with some beer or maybe a nice glass of glass of wine and just being able to catch up with people um because you know the ability to talk i mean the human practice world is one of these things anyway we kind of talk our own language to ironically considering we talk about we we meant to be make, make things more accessible we obviously have our own language um and our own pain points and all that sort of stuff that you can't really talk about until you get in with a bunch of other other hf people um and do that which, which is one of the things i quite like about it it's quite good fun yeah it is quite a small space i'm operating in a five by six uh box right now uh five five foot by six feet uh for you i'm not sure what that is that like one meter by like 0.9 meters or something i don't know uh feet two meters no, we, well, for actually, cool, weirdly, really. we will do. Um, so I'll measure. I'll measure in both feet and meters, depending on what okay. I'm doing. So okay. height is height. We generally talk in in feet. So I'm six foot two. Um, oh, you're tall. The the, um, the cabin I'm in, I'm, I'm in at the moment. I it, well, actually, I respect this out in meters um, for some reason. But all the boards are six foot by three foot boards. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's a it's interesting depending on because we obviously measure distance in miles, but we will measure um, if we speed. If, if you for yeah, if you go speed is miles per hour, but if oh, you're okay. but if you're going running or doing any sort of exercise, you're doing kilometers. Um, if I'm doing woodwork, depending on what I'm doing or just how precise I want to be, I will either use centimeters or inches. Um, yeah, it's we, we there's no. Um, it, it, Depend, yeah, it's, it's so much depends on what it is that you're doing and how you're feeling that day as to whether you'll use uh, like all of that all, all the time um, as, to, as to what you use. So it's, but there is there is a huge drive on, well, I say huge, there's a, a significant minority of people who wanted to go back to using feet and inches and all that sort of stuff all the time. Um, I just don't understand why we need to go to feet and inches when you've got metric because I've got yeah. But, yeah, metrics makes me, metric makes everything easier. Uh, the the I'm looking at my um, my uh, measuring tape here. It doesn't even have centimeters on it. I thought it did, uh, but it is made in USA, so that probably has That's a lot to do right. with it. Because yeah. um, yeah, your I think isn't your miles are bigger than our miles? So I don't you know. Got, is that true? 
I think you've got American miles and Imperial miles are different. I'm fairly sure they're different. I don't, I'm going to have to Google that now, aren't I? I'm looking uh, it up right now. Let's see here. Yeah, yeah the mile sometimes, uh, the international mile or statute mile, to distinguish it from other miles, is a British imperial unit and the U.S. customary unit of distance. Both are based on the older... Okay. Uh, so, U.S. survey... Okay. Um, very, very I'm slightly differently. The difference is so small that in practice it makes no difference unless you are a surveyor or scientist. So, yes, they're different... Sir. Yeah, I guess yes, we are scientists. Uh, so, uh, okay, I'll give you that one. Um, yeah, only just. It's. I, I thought it was more um, than what it was, but because uh, um, I, I believe our inches are the same. Um, but then what else? Because what? Else? Um, Did that article say anything about measuring inches in the? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Actually, we, I mean, we made it through the show. I feel like we, we've earned we've earned a couple the, jabs. <laughs> the, the one thing in the article I still can't quite get my head around, in amongst everything else, is the getting undressed while you're driving. Sexual activity aside, you know, that whatever, but can imagine trying to drive and get undressed at the same time. Right, well, you know, that's, that's why they called it a complex nested task. Well, uh, because true, but, it, but it's also just like, yeah, it, it is complex, and I guess you would be nested up to it. Um, right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but, um, yeah. I mean, it also depends heavily on what you're wearing, too. Like, I'd imagine overalls are a lot. If you're in shorts and a t shirt, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shorts shorts and a t shirt, probably really easy. Jeans, shoes, socks, underwear. Yeah, tight, tight pants probably be very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I guess what, what, what speed, I guess the other thing, did it say in the thing about what speeds they were doing? Because if you're doing this at no. 10 miles an hour, well, I can sort of maybe. see that. If you're doing, if you're doing it at 70, like say you're on a motorway, doing 70 miles an hour, then, oh, that could get exciting. I can see why that would Ooh, get exciting very quick. <laughs> that would be um, a thrill ride. Um, let, let me do a quick search for speed because that's a great question on, let's see here. Uh, so it took so, me an hour with a good question that's all right um so the results additionally showed that these sexual activities were associated with reports of impaired vehicle control such as uh, speeding speeding was one of the um so that was on that tick uh, list impaired vehicle control yeah it's uh, well it, it's not on the it, so there's only one mention of speed in this entire document i really maybe they're just slow and steady <laughs> wow okay no there's a couple here speeding uh this Completion time is that time on task? Is that uh, something that they <laughs> this this gendered? Oh wait, hang on. There's a gendered pattern here. Male drivers tend to engage in more risky behavior. Oh no, no, no duh. Okay, this uh, this gendered pattern has been demonstrated. Okay, speed against mentioned there. Um, where's uh, let's see here. Access to speed. Uh, the final type of non-sexual driving behaviors involve vehicle control. Although we did not have access to speed and lateral control measures. Number of proxy indicators were considered to assess proper vehicle control. So identified that the drivers neglect uh, vehicle control when engaging in sexual activity, particularly when it comes to maintaining the recommended position of hands and steering wheel and feet in the pedal area. Um, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, there's only three instances of speed in this entire document, which is kind of kind of shocking to me. 
But I can sort of see if the, if you haven't got because um, normally if you're doing that sort of observation, a vehicular observation, you would have either a readout of the speed or you'd have a camera on the speed or you know something showing you to because you'd want to correlate against it. Right. But if you're using, I'm fairly sure that if you're shooting a porn video, the last thing you're worrying about is the angle to the speedo. Um, you probably want other thing do other things in shot at that point. I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, I, I can I can see I can see why they probably wouldn't be able to um, work that. Even if you had the proxies of you know things going past, um, then how do you make how, how do you make sure that's constant? Because people can speed up, slow down, slow down the movie. I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. Just trying to put some serious thought around porn. You know, you know, it's it's really interesting when you when you talk about putting serious thought around a topic like this because. I, I mentioned this in our lab chat earlier this week, but I was having a it was fairly obvious what we were going to talk about earlier on in the week because so many voted so many people voted for it that there was um, it was very unlikely that anything else was going to be um, the story for this week. And so I started getting started on the thumbnail very early this week uh, when I did the um, the news roundup mm. and I was I was really struggling with how to communicate this behavior without being too explicit but still suggestive yeah and i was really struggling with it so ultimately what i came up with was uh there's an image that is the thumbnail that you probably saw uh coming into this is it's a woman looking into a car um suggestively uh at, Mm -hmm. at a man who is driving and and that is ultimately what i came up with but there were a couple of honorable mentions that um i I don't know if I should show. It's a post show, so like I post show. Uh, you can, yeah. We're amongst friends. It's, uh, we are amongst friends. I feel like I. Uh, let's see here. Where's um? I mean, the first one's just a bad Photoshop. The second one's like genuinely funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on. Here's, here's the first one. Let me uh let me get this as a source here. Um, yeah, this will this will be good fun. I think. Uh, let's do that. Share it. Full screen. There we go. All right. So, so here we go. This is the first one here. Uh, I am making sure we share. Okay, there you go. Uh, so that's the first one. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was never going to going to hit. That was that one was really bad. Uh, here's the second one that, like I said, I genuinely had a, a fun time. They look happy. The, exactly. That's the point. That's the point. Um, and you can't see their lap. So uh, <laughs> the, the um, that one was almost the winner. But I think, you know, ultimately what we came up with was much better. So I just want to share that because uh, we, we are talking about making this a serious topic. And that was, um, you know, a, a, a debated subject, I guess. The other sort of um, uh, suggestion from uh, another one of our members of the lab uh, suggested pixelating a, a, a cockpit or sort of a foggy window. Um, I, I really liked both of those examples. I think those kind of get across the point too. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't feel like the pixelated one fit with the visual language of all the other thumbnails that we use for the channel. So ultimately didn't go with that one. Um, the, the the steamy window I felt was, you know, pretty good, but couldn't find a good example of that, uh, it, it, at least in terms of like free... Um, stuff so you can uh, yeah yeah it's that whole titanic thing wasn't it of the um yeah yeah it was titanic um yeah. 
that popularized that concept of a steamy window with the hand uh, running mm -hmm. down it uh, to to indicate. Uh, although, although now that I'm thinking about it, we may have actually been able to use a screen cap from Titanic and just said uh, courtesy of uh, whatever picture that was um, and, and call it done because people do that all the time. As long as you credit, right? I mean, um, it's, well, I, 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 it would be considered fair use, I think. It was interesting because I've recently, because we've been on the recent project that we've just submitted, we've been playing around this idea of putting video in rather than just a, a normal report. Everyone puts in reports, nobody reads reports. So we're like, how about we do some videos instead of, you know, animating some of this stuff? And, um, and we had a couple of bits, a couple of video clips in there from films to sort of show future technologies and things like that. And um, we put, the we put the credit on there you know credit da, 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 and um and they wouldn't accept it um because for, of what for it where was. Who, I, who wouldn't yeah, accept it yeah so basically the client wouldn't accept it oh they wouldn't um because they were like have you, have you asked permission to use this and he's like well no we haven't but we've credited them you know it's it's like say a fair use and, and all that sort of stuff and uh, and they just wouldn't take the risk um which was kind of fair um yeah i'm, I'm, I'm but i see um, curious about international copyright law because in in the u.s we have fair use which is um if, if you want to get technical we can use any sort of copyrighted material as long as it's uh transformed in some way so like if we're commenting on it right so w we would be commenting on it in that case uh criticizing it we wouldn't necessarily be criticizing that particular thing but um Parody is also another uh, popular one yeah. that yeah. people do. And I would argue that what we're doing is not parody. I would say it's it's commentary, um, which is why we get away with, you know, using people's posts on Reddit. It's fair. Yeah, absolutely. It's commentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're, we're crediting where credit is due. I think we only got in trouble once for that uh, by the person who actually posted it, which really wasn't an issue. They just asked us to remove it from, you know, their stuff yeah. they didn't want their yeah. question it was embarrassing for them or whatever uh and they didn't want it blasted and i, I get that um we should be better about asking that stuff but really it's it's on the internet you you kind of agreed to that when you posted it on the internet I, yeah i kind of i'm it's like anybody you post uh, you know when you, you read such things like on um on social media platforms and you pe people put these things so i do not give permission for this platform to share any of my data and it's like thought, you already did when you, you signed up, as soon as you signed up, you yeah. um, you signed up all those, you gave all the, those rights away. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. I've got. I've, I, this is a democracy. No, it's not. You think you get? You think you get the platforms for free? You really don't. That's a. That, they're not doing it for fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. It'd be interesting because I've seen a couple of people try and set up properly free, at the point of view, democratic social media platforms, and they invariably fail. Um, yeah, but because uh, you need money to make things work. Yeah, true story. Democratizing social media—that's a story for another time. It uh, is. Any other closing thoughts? I know it's getting late for you. Um, I want to make sure we wrap up any last thoughts here before we jump out of here for the night. I think we should do um, more topic. More, not necessarily just all around sex, but um, the these sort of these challenging um, types of articles. I think are good. I think they're healthy. More um, sexy topics, more racy topics. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll I look for those. If anyone listening, watching comes across any of those, send it our way. We will 
mark for consideration and uh, certainly um, put it out there if it has enough human factors content for us to talk about. Yep. No, I think that would be good fun. So we should find some. We need to find something we disagree on. Yeah, we be- really do. Uh, yeah. I've, I, I've had this problem with Blake, too. We tend to agree on a lot of things. Um, but, um, we, we need to find something. I don't know. There must be a UK-US thing or something like that. that There's um, got to be. Um, we must, we, we'll find something. So there will be something that comes up at some point. I mean, but, part, um, of, part of it's generally I'm a, I'm a very agreeable person. I'm kind of a people pleaser. I don't like to upset anybody with contrarian views. And I'm just normally um, right. So, and you are normally right. See, there, right there. I'm, I'm doing it right now. Uh, all right. I do jest. Anyway, no. I. It's been, it's been a blast, and um, and we shall see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, to talk about something else, and then uh, also be sure to check out that uh, Human Factors and Ergonomic Society HFES Town Hall next Friday, and uh, we'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, have a good one, everyone. Catch you later.